All right, all right. Well, let's just go ahead and worship the Lord for a moment. Father, we honor you. We thank you so much for what you're about to do here this morning. God, I thank you that this is a divine moment in time and in history. That, Father, even in this month that we commemorate instrumental moments in our history. Then, Father God, you are calling and declaring that this is a season for reformers to rise again. And that, Father, even this morning, you are anointing, you are imparting to the next generation of reformers that maybe in this moment feel marginalized and insignificant and feel as if they do not have a position or a place or, a, or an opportunity. But, Father God, I thank you that you are going to begin to commission people even this morning to rise up and do and to be things that no one would have ever anticipated in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We'll give your partner a high five and you can have a seat. Woo! Wow, it's, <clears throat> man, you know, I, I, this is one of the interesting things about uh, Martin Luther, um, you know, that I have a dream speech is something else, isn't it? And I've always wondered, I was like, man, who was the guy who had to follow Martin Luther and give the next speech, right? Because after you do this whole thing about I have a dream, and it is like, I mean, what's the next guy going to say? Like, well, you know, what he said, you know, and you just kind of, I just always felt bad for that guy. Like, what do you do with following Martin Luther King Jr.? It's it's incredible. And so this morning, we're just, we're midway through prophetic conference, and it has been an incredible time. How many of you have been at the conference this week? It's been incredible. It's been awesome. Um, and I love it because the prophetic is all about making God's voice known. Making his voice known to his people to, one, uh, give them an identity and let them understand their position in him. And two, to begin to give them a path and a way forward when a lot of times the world makes you feel or imagine that maybe there is no way forward, that you just need to survive and you need to make it and you need to strive. Um, and so this is an incredible time. And we, uh, Leilani and I actually just got back from Eagle River where we were ministering over at your, your partner church right down there. And... Um, you have amazing people over there, and it, it's incredible. So um, before I get started sharing, I'd like to minister to a few of you. Would that be okay? Uh, I actually like to minister to this person with the orange jacket back there. Yep, you just looked down. You were wondering, yes, you are. It's super humble looking to make sure it's you, but it's definitely you. So why don't you come up here for a second? I'd like to be able to minister to you. Uh, is that your wife right there next to you? Yeah, you bring her too. That would be Awesome. Awesome. All right. Awesome. All right, well, tell us your names. There's a bright red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. I'm slightly colorblind, you know. That's why I just put that out there in Black History Month. I am colorblind. So there we go. Yep. All right, here we go. So tell us your names. <laughs> Sean Sullivan. Sean and Jennifer. Awesome. I'm going to have my wife stand. God, I just thank you so much for Sean and Jennifer, and I thank you, Father, that you have brought them here, Lord God, because they desperately need a word from you. And Sean and Jennifer, what I actually heard the Lord saying is, you have really entered into a season of warfare in regards to family, and nothing hits close to your heart than dealing with family conflict. And I actually heard the Lord say that he is shutting the mouth of the accuser. 
And I saw that there have been words said and there has just been an amount of conflict that has really weighed heavily, especially on you. I saw that it has just really, really um, been a burden on you and it shouldn't have been a burden that you had to carry. And I heard the Lord say that not only was he going to remove the burden for you, but you were actually going to see a reconciliation of the family dynamic. And the amazing thing about the two of you is that you love unity. You love unity within the church. You love unity within your own families. And I believe the Lord is saying to you today that because the two of you have came here together, and even the two of you being up here together as one, the Lord is saying that your family too will come as one. And so, Father, I just thank you for what you are getting ready to do for them, God, that it's going to be, even though there has been moments in the past where they have tried to reconcile, moments where they have tried to bring back that unity, Father, I declare right now, Father, that they are going to see a shift Shift, a shift in the atmosphere unlike ever before, Jesus. Yes, Lord. And I, I heard the Lord saying, son and daughter, that the two of you have crossed into a territory and a season in your life that is different than anything you've experienced before. And the Lord says the reason why is because he's called the both of you to become pioneers and forerunners in the midst of your own family. And the Lord says that some, that even as you have been in the midst of a lot of transition in your life personally, even the position and the role that you play within your extended family is also in the midst of transition. For the Lord says that I came to you in your youth and I placed a burden upon your heart for your family. And you had to enter into a season of your life where at times it felt as if you were missing it and you were not receiving even that breakthrough for your family that you had so desired. And the Lord says that he puts you out like a Joseph in a process and a season on your own where you said, Lord, it doesn't seem like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But the Lord says that I have positioned and fashioned you for such a time as this because this is the opportune moment for transformation to come in the midst of the family. So the Lord says that, son, I am going to anoint you in this season with a prophetic word in the midst of your mouth to begin to speak in the midst of these situations, and it's going to shift the entire environment in everything that you're associated with. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we stand in agreement with this family. God, I thank you that they've sown and they've given in ways that many people have not seen. And Father, we just release right now uh, and decree that this is a time of harvest, Father God, for them now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless you. And um, actually, there's this young lady right here with the boots and the girl in her lap. Yeah, right there. Can you come up here? Awesome. Now, is this your daughter? or Awesome. Okay, and what's your name? Casey, okay, Casey, what I actually, when I saw you over there, I immediately got the sense that God is beginning to bring you into a season of acceleration. And oftentimes what I love is that in the spirit, when acceleration comes, in the natural, things tend to slow down and things don't seem to happen on the surface. And you've kind of been experiencing this dynamic inside of your life where you're saying, Lord, I'm experiencing a speeding up in my spirit, but it seems like everything else is kind of holding me in stasis and in slow motion. The Lord says that, daughter, what is getting ready to happen now is I am breaking forth what has happened in the spirit and I am birthing it into the natural inside of your life. And so the Lord says that one of the things that is happening is that in the midst of this coming into the natural is a season of vindication for you, okay? And this is what I see is that there was an assignment of accusation that came even several years ago that tried to come against your identity. And the Lord says that I have released a decree from my throne, a declaration over your life. And this is the season 
season where even where accusation tried to hold you back from promotion, the Lord says that I am removing that thing from your life and I'm going to cause you to rise into a place of position and rise standing. And the Lord says it's going to shift everything. Now, this is what I see is things are going to start happening so quickly that you're not going to have time to process with your natural mind. And the Lord says that what's going to be important this season is for you to begin to rise up in your spirit and begin to prophesy to the doors of opportunity and then move in the direction of where your spirit leads. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I decree and declare that even as she has sacrificed and she has sown, and, Father, she has even waged a warfare in her life, God, to stand in the position you've placed her, you have given so much in this last season. And the Lord says you didn't think anybody noticed or anybody saw, but your sacrifice reached the heart of the Father and this is a season of reaping. Father, we bless her now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bless you. Wow, isn't God amazing? I got to tell you, we're going we're gonna, to, I would like to minister to a few of you uh, uh, as we go throughout the service, if that's okay. So if I, I see you, I just want to remind you, like, if you've got a recorder or something like that, just have that ready so we can, you know, pop it out and you can go ahead and record. Because if you're like me, I get caught up in the moment. I don't listen to some of the finer points and the details. Um, and that's the interesting thing about the prophetic. And even as some of you guys are going through and receiving uh, during the time of prophetic ministry and stuff, I really recommend that you go back and listen to your prophetic words. There's something about it because here's the thing is that there's a dynamic of the prophetic that is conditional, meaning that it requires a response from you and obedience on your part in order for there to be a birthing forth of what that prophecy is in the midst of your life. And so sometimes I've had this opportunity where uh, I'll talk with people and, you know, I'm as dramatic as the next person, right? So I'm just like super high drama. Uh, my wife will tell you because it's she has to deal with it every day. Pray for her. Um, and, and it's just one of those things. But uh, I have people who come to me and they say, hey, you know, I, I've, I got this prophetic word 10 years ago and it hasn't happened. Did God, did God get it wrong or did I mishear anything like that? And then when we go ahead and we analyze the prophetic word that that person has gotten, we all of a sudden understand that there are a lot of ifs and thens in their prophetic words. And oftentimes God gives you a promise, but there is also a condition of an if if you will do this or if you will do that, then I will go ahead and do this and do this. Because here's the thing is that we are, this is not, the prophetic is not a me, 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 selfish type of thing. The prophetic is actually a demonstration and in, in, in the natural, a representation of God's partnership with his creation and him. God always seeks to partner with you. And that's what you see throughout history is that God could have done many of the miracles on his own. He, could, he didn't have to raise up a Joseph. He didn't have to raise up a Moses to deliver the children of Israel. But why why did he do this? It's because it's a type and a shadow of what he seeks to do now in this day and hour, which is he's seeking for those that are willing to come partner with him to be able to do the impossible. And that's where we're at. And so listening to your prophetic word over again and learning and, and saying, okay, God, where are ways that I can partner with this prophetic word? It begins to change the whole dynamic. And that is when the rubber meets the road, okay? And so we're super excited, I mean, Leilani and I, for being part of this conference, but also for the opportunity to address the local house here at KC um, and address you on a Sunday morning. Because one of the things that I love to do is I love to be able to see God and, and ask God, God, where is the body at in this territory and region strategically in your prophetic timeline, right? Because how many of you know that uh, the prophetic is about times and seasons, 
right? So if you don't understand the time and the season that you're in, all of a sudden, then you won't know how to operate. Because if you operate like it's summertime, but it's wintertime, how many of you know you're going to be caught out in the cold without a lot of protection and a lot of things that would actually make your process easier, right? And so the prophetic allows you to understand the times and the seasons you're in to partner with what God is doing in your region and territory. So the question is, God, what are you doing in the midst of this territory, in the midst of this region? And um, I want to share with you guys a story. So Leilani and I, since we got married, we've actually been traveling nonstop and doing ministry, right? Um, in fact, we, did, we couldn't get through our honeymoon before we got pulled to go do more ministry. So uh, we actually honeymooned in Europe, and uh, Prophet John Harkey, who's uh, Leilani's father, was like, you know, since you're in Europe, you could come to Lithuania and minister. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I... I'm never. I'm not part of a ministry family that is always ready in season and out of season, and so that was new. But this is the heart of my wife, Leilani. She's like, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. Why? Because you know it's good to celebrate what God has done in your personal life. But if you have an p- opportunity to partner in blessing other people, why not do it, right? And so we were over there. So we've been traveling nonstop, and. One of the interesting things about us is that, you know, God has given us a, a platform. We travel and different things like that. Um, and it's a great opportunity, and we love blessing people. One thing that we had did not, or I was not prepared for, was the type of crazy that comes out once God gives you a platform, right? Like, the other, the other day, my friend sends me a screenshot of somebody's Facebook uh, profile and cover, someone that I've only met once, and I and it, the profile picture is of me with her on the profile picture, and then on the Facebook cover of the thing, there's me again, and and then I'm looking, and there's like all of these things, and I'm like, this is weird that I'm on somebody else's profile picture. I'm not even on my wife's profile picture, I don't think. Like, what is, what is happening? Like, this is an interesting dynamic. I've never experienced this before. Um, and one of the other things that is interesting is we were, um, we were recently at this gathering um, with Cindy Jacobs, and um, we were at a conference over there, and we were sitting with a friend of ours. Her name's Jennifer, and we were talking about how it's kind of crazy in the prophetic, you know. People are kind of nuts. And the thing is that when, I mean, to be honest, we got a lot of flakes and granolas sometimes in this cereal we call the body of Christ in the prophetic. And, um, <laughs> and, and so here's the thing that goes on is, you know, in that particular gathering, all of the streams of the prophetic came together. And so you've got some crazy out-of-the-wall stuff out there sometimes. Um, but here's the interesting thing is that when God gives you a platform, one of the things you have to be careful of is you have to walk in a place of discernment because people will seek to manipulate and leverage the platform that you have in order to meet their own ends. And so um, my friend, our friend Jennifer is very discerning, one of the most discerning prophets I know. Um, and she's like, so her and uh, my wife are talking, and they're like, yeah, you just got to be careful because people will just try to come up to you and prophesy to you, you know? And, and in reality, you got to be careful because sometimes what they're doing is they're seeking to build their own platform and they're trying to pull and do these different things. Now, here's the thing about me is that I am not really quick on the uptake, you know, usually with these conversations. I'm very unaware. So so they're having this conversation, and I'm there, right? I am actively participating in this conversation. And, and they're like, okay, well, this is the strategy that we need to do. And David, are you with me? Uh-huh, yeah, I'm listening. I'm totally listening. In the meanwhile, I'm like listening to a soundtrack in my mind, you know, and just going back and forth. And she goes, this is what we're gonna do. Whenever somebody asks to come pray for you after you speak or the, to prophesy to you, just go ahead and tell them, you know what, that's fine. We really appreciate and value the gift that you have. If you wouldn't mind just emailing it to us, right? Send it to us in the email. You know, it's just proper protocol. And so they're like, you got that, David? I'm like, yes, I got that. I, I think that's a great idea. Meanwhile, I'm not paying attention, to be honest with you, right? 
So I go and I, I go and I share my session and I, I, I'm, I'm preaching and I'm like getting up fire and stuff like that. And I come off the stage and I'm walking towards my wife and this lady intersects, right, interjects right here. And I'm just, and she goes, hey, you know, I just, can I pray for you? Now, if I was really in the conversation just an hour ago, what is my answer? You know, no, you know, I just got, you know, please, if there's anything that you're sensing or feeling, please email me, right? If I was listening to what my wife was saying, who's walking in discernment, but me, I'm oblivious. So what do I say? Yeah, of course. This is, the, this is where it gets worse. I open my hands like this, like I'm getting ready to receive, and I'm like, oh, wait, let me get my phone to record your prophetic word. So now, in front of all of these people, I've given homegirl, like, the platform she was waiting for. Because I'm like, Whoosh! like, here we go. And she's like, here he is. He's ready for my word because I'm a powerful prophet, you know, or whatever. And this is what happens is I'm just receiving, and she's prophesying, and she goes, hmm, and then she looks at me straight in my eyes and she says, the Lord wants me to tell you that you are a swan. You are a beautiful swan. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Because at this point, I'm still tracking with her, you know, because I'm like, I'm a seer. I see swans. Like, okay, where is this going? Let's see the interpretation of this prophetic word. It's like, I see, you're a swan. I'm like, okay. And then she goes, and swans aren't very smart, but they're beautiful. The Lord says you're a swan. And I was like, did she just call me an idiot? <laughs> And my wife did not talk to me. She's like, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even, I was like, babe, I'm a swan. I'm dumb. I'm a dumb swan. And she's like, I tried to tell you. I tried to teach you. Like, come on, you know. And I can tell you that is one of a dozen situations where I did not demonstrate a level of discernment that I could have or that I should have, right? And the reason why I'm sharing that story is because I believe that a part of the prophetic, my, my own foolishness aside, is that a part of the prophetic is to begin to help expose and reveal pitfalls that the enemy tries to put in your place to begin to cause you to abort your destiny. Because you know what, thankfully in God's mercy, that did not derail me. But how many of you know that that could have escalated and changed it to something very difficult? And so in this season, God wants to give us a mantle and a position of discernment that will allow us to look accurately at the season that we're in. One, so that we know how to navigate. But two, so that we can begin to uproot the very things that are going to try to stand there and try to shortchange and reduce and abort the longevity of the ministry that we have. Because here's the thing, is that the ministry that God has for you is one that spans not just just a few days, a few months, or for a few years, but it is one that will span not only decades and the entirety of your life, but its effects are going to be felt for generations to come. Because what you are doing is you are in the midst and the product of generations before you. And so you are literally sewing into the fabric of your generational line to produce a tapestry of the future that has yet to be seen. And so this is why it's very important because if you don't have a prophetic understanding of where you are in the context of where you are and where God has you, what happens is then you begin to sacrifice the long-term benefit and the good of what God has for you for temporary comfort to alleviate the pain that you feel in the now. 
You see what I mean? So what ends up happening is that then you begin to give your birthright because you don't understand the full context of what you're entitled to. When you don't understand that, then what happens is you not only affect you, but you affect five, six, seven, eight, nine generations down the line, and you also cut your family and your generations after you from the inheritance that is meant for you. And so what I was praying for uh, and being here is I heard the Lord saying that you are in the midst of Nehemiah and building your wall. Okay, and what this means is this, and I love it because I believe that what God is doing in the natural with building this brand new, epic, gorgeous, I mean, majestic building here in the natural is also a sign of what God is getting ready to do in the spirit and in the natural, in the territory that you're in, right? And so let's talk about, uh, talk about Nehemiah. Many of us know Nehemiah, and, and we love this. He's the cupbearer of the king. How many of you remember that, right? And, and so if we look inside of Nehemiah chapter 2, um, we see Nehemiah going to Jerusalem to scout out because he has been given permission to rebuild the, ba- the walls of the city. This is the reason why Nehemiah is there, is that he comes back, or he's in the midst of his life, his everyday life, and he's doing his job, he loves his job, he's serving the king, he's in a good position of honor, and all of a sudden his brethren from Jerusalem come back from being in the city, and, they, and he goes, oh man, you know, what's, the, what's it like over there in Jerusalem? What's it like over there? Because here's the thing, is that the, uh, years before, there was permission given to rebuild the temple. But when they come back, they provide sobering news. And they say that the walls of the city are in disrepair. Which means this, is that if you are a city with porous walls, it is a problem. Because what it means is that you have no authority You have no capacity to begin to inflict or impose the will of the kingdom or of the city on even the region that is around you. What that means is then you really have no claim to the territory that hypothetically you have. So this is what happens is that the glory and the there was a resting place for the presence of God with the rebuilding of the temple. But God's intention was never just to have a temple rebuilt. It was to establish his kingdom his domain within the territory. And so what we see is Nehemiah understands that even though there has been breakthrough in the past, it is not the the full manifestation of what God wants to bring. God wants to rebuild the walls of that city. And so this is the interesting thing, and this is exciting to be here in Alaska, is that you are literally building a place for the presence of the Lord to begin to inhabit, where God's people can commune with their creator and begin to hear his voice actively. It is a powerful thing. Now, here is the thing, is that now God wants to begin to bring the second dimension of what is happening. And I love it, is that in order to come into what God is doing now, these things happen simultaneously. Rebuilding the wall, however, requires partnership and unity to a level that many people are not used to having. Because what it does is it requires you to begin to give up your own personal agenda and desire to fulfill a vision that you perceive and in the sacrifice it in order to be able to reach what God's greatest purpose is for the region and the territory. And so this is what happens, right? Is that Nehemiah is given permission to rebuild the walls of the city. The walls are just so important. But here's the interesting thing, is that Nehemiah, in order to accomplish the vision that God has given him, 
which is to begin to bring literal city transformation. He needs to avoid pitfalls that come in his way. Amen? And so here, let's go ahead and, and just process this here. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11 says, So I came to, came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. What we've come out of in this last season has been where God has revealed to us a vision of what he seeks to do. Nehemiah rises up in the night season when no one is paying attention and no one is paying him any mind. And he allows himself to go through the boundaries of his vision where God begins to fill him and instill him with a burning passion and desire to fulfill it. This body, this church, has come through a season where God's vision for this city has been burned into the very fabric and DNA of every single member in this church. You have come through this, and this is why in this season, uh, it felt as if you were being hidden away for a time. It felt almost as if you were kind of had a blanket over you. And I want you to know that it is not because you are insignificant, it is not because you have been ignored, but it is that God ordained that to be a time and a place to begin to plant the untainted, the untarnished, vision that he wants for this city and this territory, what he was doing was he was raising up a vision that is not only a vision, but also has within it the very DNA of what is required in order to get it done. This is why is because one of the most dangerous times for you to hear the voices of others is in the moment of crafting the vision that God has for your life. Because this is what happens is that people then put their limitations on it. They put their opinions. How many of you realize people got an awful lot of opinions? And a lot of them want to make their opinions your opinions, right? So this is one of the dynamics that my wife and I have is that when we get in an argument, the main source of the argument is I want to make my opinion her opinion, right? That like pizza is the most important food group in the food pyramid that has been neglected, right? However, she does not believe that I am the only one who believes this. And I am offended because she doesn't believe it the way that I do, right? And so here's the thing is that when you're building your vision, you don't want that to happen. You don't want it to happen. And so then Nehemiah raises up, rises up the next day and he begins to speak the vision to the nation of Israel. And this is what happens is they say, let us go ahead and do what you've said. And they begin to build. Now, this is where I want to talk about, because now we are in the process of building, right? Inside of this territory in this region, we're building something that is going to allow us to create a barrier where there is an inhabitation of the authority of the kingdom within this city. Imagine this. Imagine if now in this city there is a spiritual wall that is built within the territory where the devil can't just walk in and out where he pleases. He can't just come against people's bodies and bring cancer. He can't just bring addiction in the midst of your life and try to harness the power you have and do it. Imagine if there are walls in this city that are in the spirit that begin to cause there to be saying, hey, no, there is an authority that we have here as believers. King's Chapel is here for a reason because we are a wall standing against the enemy so that God's kingdom can be established. So now all of a sudden what has happened is we have taken the king's dominion beyond the four walls of a building and a church and we have infiltrated an entire city. And this is what happens is that then what happens is you become a sign and a wonder to the nations. Because what happens is now you are inflicting and changing culture in a way and in way and fashion that people have thought was impossible to do before. 
This is why inside of the United States, we're believing in government programs because we have lost the ability and capacity to believe that the church can make a difference. So now what we've done is we've given that authority over to government systems and other things that we deem as more effective because the church has failed up until this point to build the walls of its city. But if you are a part of this church, if you are in this region, in this territory, it is because God has called you to stand side by side with your brother and your sister, with the one that's next to you, to begin to say, I will build my part of the wall. Here's the thing. One person did not build the entire wall. In a spirit of unity, they had one section, and then the Smiths had one section, the Brackens had another section, and this is what happens, is that when you enter into a unity with a common purpose and vision, you are able to accomplish the impossible. So this is what happens. Is now this is what I want to say, because now I think we're all on board. We're like, yeah, let's build this wall, you know. Woohoo, let's do it. And this is really, really good. So now here comes the prophetic component of what I want to talk about. Beware the little foxes that will derail you from getting you to a point where it will try to take you off of your part of the wall. So this is where it is. So now Nehemiah gets up. The children of Israel are like, okay, like, let's go ahead and build it and do these different things. And then the haters come out of the woodwork. Woo! How many got some haters in here? I've, I've got some real haters, but I also have a, some imagined ones too, right? It just gets me hyped in the morning. I was like, I'll prove those haters wrong. Who are you talking about? The haters, you know them. And it's just one of those things. Am I the only one? Man. It's just one of those things, you know? And so here's the thing, is I want to give you some keys of things that will try to derail you so you can keep an eye out for it and go ahead and be like, uh-uh, nice try, but you know what? Not today, right? Not today, devil, not today, right? How many of you want that, right? So in the midst of you building your component of the wall and the part that you have, uh, let's go ahead to verse uh, 19 of chapter 2 in Nehemiah. It says, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Jessam the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? There are times in your life where you are so envisioned with a vision from God and you're feeling that anointing. And every time you walk, you're walking to the soundtrack of like, let it rain, you know, and you're just like, oh, I feel it. I feel it. And then you go to family dinner on a Sunday night and no one shares your opinion or your revelation, right? No one's on your level and they laugh at you. They scorn you. Why are you part of that church? Why are you there three times a week? Why are you there at 6 a.m. for prayer? Why are you at Gate and well uh, and, and praying and all these different things. Why are you doing this, right? But here's the thing. This is a little bit deeper because how many of you love word studies, right? I've got an appreciation. My pastor is Jane Hammond, one of my pastors, and she is the queen of word studies, right? And I was just like, uh, one time we were sitting in an airport in Hawaii, and I was like, Apostle Jane, why are you so amazing? And she goes, it's actually very simple. I do word studies, and people think I'm super smart. And I was like, very cool. There's more to it than that. She was being super humble. But I was like, well, then if I download that app and I do word studies, will people think I'm super smart and no longer a dumb swan? Like, <laughs> this would be good. I, let me get that app. Let, let me read it up, right? And so, <laughs> and so here it is. It's, it's verse 19. Um, I, wa- I went ahead and did a word study on the names of the people that opposed Nehemiah. And who scorned him, right? So here's the thing, is that Sanballat, right, his name means strength. 
In this season, there are going to be people who are strong and in places of authority that will use their will and use their strength to try to oppose the vision that God has given you. So this is why it's very important, is that you cannot be a respecter of persons in this day and hour. You cannot allow people's pedigree. You cannot allow people's background or position. Or you cannot allow the loan officer at the bank to laugh at your vision and allow that to discourage you. You have to be willing to say, I understand that you are Mr. Strong person here, but I am choosing to believe the vision inside of my life. And so here's the thing, is that the natural wisdom of the world will stand in opposition to the vision of you putting, staying in your position. Sambal, it means strength. Do not allow that to happen. I'm telling you, this word study is where it's at. I'll tell you the app afterwards if you want to know. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so here is the crazy thing, is that then Tobiah, who is also standing in opposition, his name means Jehovah is good. There are people who will act in opposition to their nature and of their calling to be able to stand in opposition to something that you carry that confronts the passivity in their life. When there are people that are living in a place of passivity and they're living in a place of comfort and all of, and they're okay with their life, they're okay with their little section, but then all of a sudden you get a vision for something that affects their comfort zone. They will twist their face and twist their words to go up opposite to their nature to confront and stand against you. So this is the very thing that's standing against Nehemiah and the children of Israel is people who are using their strength to manipulate and also people who are going against their nature to be a stumbling block to them in their mission. We must be willing to ignore these things. Now, here is the interesting thing, is that then another one of these components means this, is jessam. Jessam means rain. Doesn't rain sound good? I was just in California, and droughts are very common. Rain is a good thing. Rain is a great thing. In fact, we, a lot, half of the worship songs that we sing are about the rain, and it's good. But how many of you know that rain, in a season of building a wall, is a horrible thing? Imagine, Pastor, if you're building this church and you had to put the beams in, and there was torrential rain that caused the very earth underneath the structure of the building to wash away. How many of you know that that does not work? Here's the thing. A good thing in the wrong time can derail what God is doing in your life. And this is why small fires and outbreaks that look familiar to something that you're chasing after if you will stop what you're doing because it's easier to go after the little rains, you will miss your inheritance. You will miss your purpose. So this is what I'm saying is rain is good. I love revival. I love refreshing. But if you find yourself going from church to church because someone, you've heard word that there's a revival or some cool pastor or preacher's got this really good message going, are you no longer standing on the wall because you're satisfying a short-term desire and not going to receive your long-term gain. Now, there's this other person in here, and his name, if you go back to the root, means two caves. Two caves. Interesting. 
Because if you look at the term two caves, caves represent certain things in Hebrew culture. Caves are used as grave sites, the burial of the dead. In Hebrew history, it is the cave of Adullam that David retreats to in the midst of his defeat. Caves represent a death season and a time of defeat. What the enemy will try to do in this season is to try to keep you in a position of defeat, in a position of operating in a place of death, and make you feel like there is no way out. Another example of caves is Elijah against Jezebel, where Jezebel tells him, I'm going to straight up kill you. And the demonic witchcraft manifestation that comes drives one of the greatest prophets in history to a cave. In this season, if we do not confront the death in our lives, it will silence the prophetic voice and unction inside of us to enter into life. And so this is where we're at, is we have to be willing to confront death wherever it is. This is one thing that's been interesting with uh, Leilani and I, is Leilani has no problem confronting the death inside of me. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things. I, I mean, there are areas where, how many of you, when you've gotten married, you didn't realize how passive you were in certain areas until, like, your spouse brings it up. And then you get hyper offended at first, like, how dare you? I'm the man of God. And it's like, not really. It's like, this is how it is, right? Um, this one thing was like, and this is kind of odd, but like, I have this thing where I don't really sweat a whole lot. So um, I like, deodorant's kind of like a on and off type thing for me. I'm like, ah, today, sure, it's hot outside, let's do it. And she looks at me when we first get married, and she's like, you better be putting that deodorant on. Every day, every single day, you will not live in passivity when it comes to your personal hygiene. You will get it done. You will do it and all these different things. And I got to tell you is that it is not comfortable to confront the death and the passivity in your life. It is not. I deodorized today and I got custom cologne, you guys. I got custom cologne. So I went, took it to the next level, right? You got to confront the passivity and then take it up an ante, right? You got to knock it out. And so, so this is where I believe that we're at here in the body of Christ, and especially specifically in this territory, is that we are in the moment of one of the most exciting times in history, and especially for this region and this territory. And it comes down to our ability and willingness to stand. Now, uh, as I wrap up here, I want to really just share with you just a few other components with this. And then they had to make sure, because what these assignments do is they actually confront what is in the heart of the people. You see, none of these things, are, these are just words, but what words do is they expose the position and the attitude of our hearts. And we can either choose it as a point of defeat or we can address them. Uh, this is the other thing that happens, is that they continue the work that they're doing. But there's this one component in Nehemiah chapter 6 where all of a sudden the haters realize, oh, man, they're actually building this wall. They're actually doing this, uh, and we have no idea how they're doing it. What they do is they send a letter to Nehemiah and say this, come off from what you're doing and explain to us why you're doing it, essentially. Come down so that we might discuss what is happening here. In this season, 
the enemy will try to trigger your emotions and your pride to make you feel the need to justify yourself in the eyes of people who don't care what you're saying or what reason you have. They are opposed to the vision and the mission. And so one of the ways that the enemy comes against us is he tries to get us on the defensive mode to explain ourselves to people who don't even want to hear. Nehemiah has the best response. Why should I stop the good work that we're doing here to talk to you? That did not go over very good with these guys. Because then they keep sending letters. How many people got like angry texts from people? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who do you think you are? You know, this is the this is the old school version of that, right? Uh, where where you know you've ended a friendship with someone, they still keep texting you. Why are you doing this? And what they do is they text and they text and they text, and then they release an open letter to Nehemiah. And its goal is to inflict fear on the children of Israel, saying this: He they accuse the character and the integrity of Nehemiah and his people. In this season, the enemy will try to stir your emotions to cause fear to come into your heart, to cause you to let go of the good work that you're doing. This is why when God comes to you with the voice of the Lord, when his, with his voice and prophesies your purpose, the response you have to have is you have to let go of the shame of the failures of your past. You have to let go of the nature and the identity that you've given yourself and that man has given you. Because otherwise, it will be the hook that connects, that the enemy uses to connect and rip you apart. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you that... Even as this is a message that it seems to be all about exposing the traps, and it's a heavy word, because it is a word that requires a response from us. Father, I thank you that you, are, you have made us for a time such as this to be able to uproot the things that would stand in the way of your purpose with us building up this city in a supernatural way. I just like everybody to go ahead and stand where you are as we're as we're wrapping up here. I believe that with this, God wants to strengthen you and give you a grace to be able to do this, right? I love the fact that with God, when he tells you things and he gives you directives and he shows you things that we can work on, what it is is he also gives us an opportunity to receive a grace from him to have the strength and the ability to do it. Here's the, the crazy thing about me is I'm a five foot six Asian person. Okay, I lied, I'm five foot five. And a five foot six Asian person um, who, you know, on paper doesn't did not have much to offer the body of Christ. And I gotta be honest, is that almost every day the enemy seeks to accuse me and bring up my past to get me off of my part of the wall. Every day, even this morning, I woke up and I looked around me in this cabin that we're staying in and I heard this voice come and say, what in the world are you doing here? And when that happens, there immediately has to be a response inside of you 
that is a response that I am following purpose, the purpose that God has given me. I can tell you that I'm, I look like I'm 15, I'm 31, and every single day I've been in this prophetic process for over 13 years. And I've had opportunities to travel with people who are considered the father of the prophetic movement, that are the foremost leaders in the body of Christ with the prophetic. And it comes down to a decision every single day to align with what God has said. There is never a point in time where you make it and you don't have to make that choice anymore. And I just wanted to expose that little bit here because sometimes in church, we like to put our best face forward, right? That's why I put on my deodorant today. I want to put my best side forward today. But sometimes in our ability, in our effort to become the best of ourselves, we do not show people the rest of the story. But that is the very nature and part that people need in order to be able to progress forward. And so right where you are, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that even as we make a choice every single day to begin to unify with your purpose for this region and this territory, God, you're doing something in Wasilla and the surrounding territories where you're creating this to be an inhabitation of your spirit, but also a time where you are establishing the king's domain. And so, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I say, I come into agreement with the part of the wall you want me to build, with the part of the wall that you have for me. And I receive the grace that I need in order to accomplish it. In Jesus' name. There's, there's actually this woman right here with, uh, you have a cane right there and you've got your boss right there. Yeah. What's your name? Terry? Terry, I heard the Lord saying, get ready because the, there is coming a release of anointing for signs, wonders, and miracles through you. Now, this is the interesting thing, is that there's a dynamic of signs, wonders, and miracles where Jesus, with the release of his words, sent healing to another person. And God says, thank you. There's an anointing for that to happen for you. In Jesus' name, we release that to her now. We bless her now. Father, we just worship you. We thank you for what you're going to do in this region. And if you agree, say amen and amen. All right, you may be seated after you give the Lord a hand clap. Be seated, please. Ushers, would you assist us as we sow and give into the ministry of our brother and sister? Thanks. What a word. check make it out to King's Chapel and we will send our guests on with one check hallelujah what a word glory to God Amen. you're giving online you can give electronically hallelujah I'm gonna stay on the wall anybody else gonna stay on the wall what you don't know, uh, my anointed brother, Fang, what you don't know is that the book of Nehemiah is like one of my very favorite books. Yeah, it's the first book the Lord really soaked me in when I got saved. And um, 
It's the, it's the first message I ever heard from Dr. Morocco is out of the book of Nehemiah. And it was on rebuilding the walls of our lives. And uh, I wound up getting powerfully touched by the fire of the Holy Spirit during that, that time, yeah, so many years ago. I've done a series and preached on Nehemiah. And that, that, is, that is what's happening. Come on, someone say, I'm going to stay on the wall. Yeah, it's too important for me to come down. Come on, say it. It's too important. Too important for me to come down. Powerful. Wonderful. Ushers, would you come? Father, we thank you for the fangs. We thank you for the word of the Lord this, this afternoon. What you're going to do, Lord, in and through it, that it's gone forth, it doesn't return void. You stand over it to see it perform for the purpose for which you've sent it. I thank you, Lord, that you have hand-selected and chosen us to be alive at this time in history. And there's not one thing that's going to move us off our purpose. We declare it. We proclaim. We will not look to the right, look to the left. We won't heed the voice of another. Your voice, God, we will follow. We will obey what you've spoken to us to do. And we will see not only that church completed, but the walls, spiritual walls, Lord, built around. That, that Wasilla would be a cancer-free zone. Wasilla would be a place where there's no more methamphetamine. Wasilla would be a place where the power of God comes on display. Not only Wasilla, but Alaska. Lord, and, and on and beyond, that we would see your kingdom expanded as each man, each person, each family takes their place. Warring and building in Jesus' name. Amen, ushers, go ahead. Go ahead, ushers. You might be here and not right with God. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord, but we never close a service without giving an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. So, God forbid you would die today. Would you go to heaven? Are your sins forgiven? Are you born again? Listen, you, you, you can't make it into heaven by going to church any more than a monkey can become part of the human race by putting on a suit. Hello? You got to be born again. Hello? You must be born again. You must be saved. All who call upon in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So examine your heart for a moment before we formally close our service. Are you right with God? If you are not right with God, do you want to give your heart to Jesus or recommit because you drifted, you've got compromise, or you just want to be assured of your salvation? You say, that's me, Pastor. You want to be included in this prayer? Pray this right out loud. Those online, pray with this right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for your Holy Spirit. I pray you fill, touch, bless. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Holy Spirit, touch and fill. Break every chain, every bondage. Release your plan. In Jesus' name, come on.